You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Yeah, this scene is kind of freeze-frozen in my mind. I can still see it. I was walking home from the Glenbrook Primary School on the Lower Blue Mountains, had my little school bag over my shoulder and went past the deli, which I went past every afternoon. But on this day, it was a bit different. Door was open, as always, and as I looked in, one of the Cadbury's family block chocolates just seemed to be a little further out than usual. Beautiful deep blue wrapping with the gold lettering, you know the one I'm talking about, glass and a half of full full cream milk. And uh, on this particular day, whereas normally the shopkeeper was always behind the counter, he was nowhere to be seen. Nowhere in the shop, nowhere behind the counter. I looked out, there was nobody coming this way, there was nobody coming that way. And I suddenly realised, gosh, I I could take this. And nobody would know. I was about seven, and as far as I can recall, it's the first sort of moment outside the, the home where I was a very naughty boy uh, and, 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 and naughty sometimes in school. But like outside those settings, it was the first moment I can recall of experiencing temptation, of recognising that here was an opportunity to do something that I knew was, was very bad. Fortunately, I resisted the urge. <laughs> Still find it very hard to resist chocolate, though. Uh, it was Oscar Wilde, the Irish writer, poet, who said, I can resist anything except temptation. And uh, somebody else said, how come opportunity knocks only once, but temptation bashes the door down about 100 times a day? How does that work? Now, generally, when, when preachers talk about temptation, it's usually in the context of them bringing their own personal confession. Now, I'm sorry to disappoint you this morning, but that is not part of my plan. But who would forget those scenes from 1988? Uh, uh, Jimmy Swaggart. Uh, It's still on YouTube if you care to look at it. Uh, Jimmy Swaggart uh, confessing an undisclosed sin to his worldwide audience in the midst of uh, tears and quite a, a difficult scene to watch, actually. Uh, undisclosed sin turned out to be involvement with uh, with prostitutes, of course. And uh, uh, I'm not about to confess anything this morning, except I do remember a preacher who decided to use confession as a way of getting the attention of his congregation. And at the very beginning of the message, things were a little scrambly. Kids were running around, and he he wanted to get the attention. And he said, uh, he said, brethren, I have a confession to make. Naturally, he had everybody's attention. He said, I must tell you, I've spent some of the happiest, some of the most invigorating, some of the most beautiful, intimate years of my life in the arms of another man's wife. Wow. People were just floored. And when he knew he had them right there, he said, my mother. And then, oh gosh, okay. Not too bad. He had their attention. He has their attention. Now, now, friends, temptation is a very strong reality in our lives and we need to be able to talk about it. We need to be able to face some of the biblical truths associated with this topic. You know how sometimes on the news, they've had it this week, where they'll have a heading, need to know. They, they did it this week with the, the unfolding crisis in Japan. You know, need to know, this many people confirmed dead. 
this many Australians still missing, this many uh, field workers trying to do the uh, rescue and recovery. You know, it's a sort of need to know, a nice neat summary. Well, this morning I want to share with you some of the most important need to knows regarding temptation. And the first one is this, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. In a group like this, like this, this morning, uh, the range of temptations would be huge. Let's face it. And some sources of temptation would be unique to certain individuals within this group. But the fact is, we're all tempted. The Bible makes this very clear. Look at the reading read to us just a moment ago by, by Ronnie. Verse 13, every temptation or every test you've experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. It's the kind that normally comes to people. Uh, we're all in this together. It's rare for people to talk about the specifics of their temptations. Very rare. Because it's private. It's a bit embarrassing. You might share it with some trusted friends. But there was an occasion back in 1976 when he was the governor of Georgia at that time. But he went on to become the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter. You may remember, Jimmy, if you're, old, if you're as old as me, uh, Jimmy Carter gave a, an interview to Playboy magazine. And in that interview, this is what he said. And he was a devout Christian, Bible teacher in his local church, lay preacher, uh, was then, still is a dynamic influence for God. This is what Jimmy Carter said. I try not to commit a deliberate sin, but I recognise I'm going to do it anyhow because I'm human and I'm tempted. Jesus set some impossible standards for us. He said, anyone who looks on a woman with lust has in his heart already committed adultery. He went on, I've looked on a lot of women with lust. I've committed adultery many times in my heart. This is something God recognises I will do. And I've done it. And God forgives me for it. And he wanted to talk about confession and repentance and so on. And this, this interview received publicity in the media all around the world. Wow, you know, Jimmy Carter, Bible teacher, tempted. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> whether you're a nominal Christian or a phenomenal Christian, we're all in this together. Uh, when it comes to temptation, we all experience it. Uh, but having acknowledged this rather self-evident truth, uh, we also need to know something else. Temptation comes in many forms. Now, friends, we tend to automatically think of temptation in the areas of money, you know, theft, um, addiction, sexual immorality. These are the big ticket temptation items. But, but the Bible describes temptation in a whole range of different circumstances. For instance, Moses faced the temptation of disobedience when he was tempted to do a runner when God said, I want you to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And his reaction was, you know, to put up excuses and to think about running away. He faced the temptation of disobedience in that setting. In that setting. Of course, Jonah did succumb to temptation. And he was clearly disobedient when God said, go to Nineveh and preach. He escaped to Joppa, at least for a time. So he committed that sin. He, was, he yielded to the temptation of not responding to God's call. And what about the disciples? Let's flip over into the New Testament. What about the disciples when they were rebuked by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? It's in Matthew 26, verse 41. Now, you listen to this quote. This is one that's often used in relation to temptation. Jesus speaking, he says to the disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many times have you 
Find yourself saying that either in jest or as a way of excusing your involvement in some kind of temptation. Yeah, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, what was the context of Jesus saying this? Had he sprung the disciples reading the wrong kind of magazine? Had he sprung them smoking the wrong kind of cigarette? Were they off in the trees there in the Garden of Gethsemane having a few, a few uh, beers or, or, or what? what? What was the context? No, he caught them asleep. He caught them asleep. After requesting that they stay awake and support him in prayer during those final agonising moments before his arrest. So in Jesus' mind, the decision to pray or not to pray is a form of temptation. And our struggle with obedience to God's will is a form of temptation, like it was for Moses and for Jonah. Friends, can you see why it's so important we drop onto this topic in terms of consistent Christianity? Uh, It's just so crucial. One of the questions I've been asked a lot over the years is this one. Well, why does God allow temptation? I mean, wouldn't our lives be so much easier if, if he removed that from us? Well... In fact, there's a reason why God allows us to be tempted. Now, notice I'm saying allows us to be tempted. God is not the one who does the tempting. Let's be clear about that. I have people say to me, well, why is God tempting me and and testing me at this time, in this situation? What have I done to deserve this? Well, there's a Bible verse that neatly clears this one up once and for all. It's in James chapter 1, verse 13. Listen to this. If a person is tempted, he must not say, this temptation comes from God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. So I'll get you to think about that if you thought it's God doing all the, all the tempting. Temptation is very much the prerogative of the forces of evil. Satan, in fact. The Bible personifies him as a wild animal. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be on your guard and stay alert. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion, sneaking around and looking for someone to attack. Now, friends, let's be honest. There's an ongoing spiritual battle raging in your heart and mind, your heart and mind, rather, when it comes to the daily choices we make in life. Do we act in a way that honours God or do we act in a way at times that dishonours God? And whilst God doesn't cause the temptation, there's no question, he does allow it to happen. Why? It's a very good reason. It has to do with the development and the maintenance of spiritual strength. That's the reason. You see, temptation is not meant to make us fall into sin. It's meant to make it possible for us not to sin, to show a bit of resistance, to show a bit of personal strength. Temptation is not meant to make us bad. It's meant to make us good. It's not meant to weaken us. It's meant to make us stronger, finer, purer. Temptation is not a penalty. It's a privilege for the person undergoing the period of testing. Knowing... Knowing they are being strengthened for greater effectiveness in their service for God. Let me read James 1, verse 2. You're familiar with this passage. Listen to this. My brothers, consider yourselves fortunate when all kinds of trials and temptations come your way. For you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is what? The ability to endure. 
When you face such trials and temptations successfully, the result is the ability to endure. It may not be fun at the time. I'll grant you that. And the temptation may have the potential to ruin our faith. But if we come through, there's the promise of endurance. There's the promise of longevity in the faith. And friends, I've got to tell you, I draw great inspiration from some of you who I know have been through your periods of great trial and temptation. But you've come through and you're here today. You, you could have slunk away somewhere in grief and regret and remorse, but you're here today. You're praising God. You're worshipping. You're still part of the church family. And I draw great strength from that. Yes, there is a reason for temptation and it's to make us stronger. But there's another need to know point and it's this. When it comes to temptation, our vulnerability is heightened under certain circumstances. And believe it or not, we need only look at the temptations of our Lord recorded in three of the four Gospels to really get some insights into this. Um, The first question we need to ask ourselves is this. When did Jesus' temptation take place? Do you recall? It was immediately following his baptism. And what a high moment that was for Jesus. You know, beginning of his ministry, And he comes to John and he says, I don't want to ask my followers to do anything that I'm not prepared to do myself. I'm I'm paraphrasing here. I I want to be baptised. So John baptises him. The heavens are opened. The spirit descends like a dove. There's a voice, an audible voice from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's a spectacular spiritual moment for Jesus. It's It's the launch of his ministry. It's fantastic. Couldn't have got any better. And what's the next thing that happens? He finds himself out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Friends, we're at our most vulnerable with experiencing a spiritual high. And I've proved this in my own life because we can start to think we can do this on our own. What was the word of Satan to Jesus? If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You don't need him. Just, just use this as the basis for your Messiahship. The people will love it. Free bread, out of stones. Wow. Who's going to top that? See, spiritual high, Jesus was very vulnerable. But then, of course, as the days went on, he became physically exhausted. He became hungry. He became tired. And the Bible says the devil came to him under those circumstances. You see, friends, with us, our moment of weakness is also when we're very vulnerable. When we're weak physically, emotionally, when we're just wrung out. It might be the end of a painful relationship. It might be at the, at the loss of a job. It might be severe financial strain, family tensions, whatever it is. When we're at our weakest, it's in these circumstances we may find our resistance to temptation uh, all but gone. And notice thirdly, Jesus was alone in the desert. Jesus was alone in the desert. Didn't have the support of his disciples, no friends. He was alone in the desert when he experienced his temptations. And let's be honest, let's be honest, loneliness, loneliness can be a fertile ground for temptation. If you travel a lot alone, as I have over the years, it is very important to be aware of your vulnerability to all sorts of temptations when you're traveling on your own. I became, and same as if you are here back at home and you're in isolation of your church family. Why do we say you know, involvement in the church, in connection group is so important? We, need, we all need that support. You go doing it alone and you're exposed 
to all kinds of, of temptations because you haven't got the support of your brothers and sisters. Um, I, I became aware of this a number of years ago. In the so-called city of sin, Las Vegas. Uh, now, don't get too excited. This is not a personal revelation. This, is, uh, this story relates to a colleague of mine. As some of you know, I'm a, a board member of an organisation called Christian Projects. And every couple of years, myself and a colleague from Victoria, we take young ministers from Australia across to the west coast of the United States where we take them to some of the largest churches of our denomination and other churches as well. And one of the cities we visit, and if all goes well, it'll be October this year, we'll be going back there. One of the cities we visit is Las Vegas. Why? Because we have one of the biggest churches of our denomination in Las Vegas. It's called the Central Christian Church. It's in Henderson on the outskirts of Las Vegas. And they have in excess of 10,000 people every weekend. It's a spectacular church right there in Sin City. <laughs> the minister says, you know, our philosophy of ministry here is where sin abounds, grace must also abound in even greater measure. It's a great, great philosophy of ministry. And I, I recall many years ago, we were on a bus, a group of a small group of us on a bus, and uh, some ladies got on the bus who uh, were, we, as we found out, having a, a girls' weekend in Las Vegas. And uh, it was mid-evening, and so they were pretty uh, happy, if you get my drift. And they said, and what are you guys doing in Las Vegas? And I was nominated as the spokesperson, and I said, well, um, we're, we're ministers, and we're here to look at churches. And these girls roared with laughter. I, I got, they got no idea. They just could not stop laughing. And when the laughter died down, they said, yeah, okay, go. Now, okay, well, so, so what are you really here for? And I said, well, like... That's it. We're, we're ministers. They got off the bus. They were still roaring with laughter. They said, oh, you guys, you, you guys are a cracker. That's great, you know. Ministers, yeah. So, and he's speaking the truth, you know. Well, on another trip, some guys said to me, Graham, you, you know this area really well. We want to see Caesar's Palace. Is that okay? I said, yeah, we can go to Caesar's Palace. Uh, we'll, we'll go down there. It's in the middle of the strip. I'll show you the sights of Caesar's Palace. So we went in, and of course, if you've been to Caesar's Palace, it's this incredibly opulent, kind of takes you back to first century Rome. There's a massive shopping centre. There's huge Roman columns everywhere, centurions floating around the place. They try to recreate the atmosphere of ancient Rome. And uh, we're walking through and taking all the sights. And then one of our guys came up to me and he said, Graham, I don't want to be a party pooper. He said, but you know, I'm feeling very uncomfortable in here. I said, well, what's the problem? He said, I left this scene when I became a Christian. He said, I'm seeing things and I'm experiencing things here that remind me of my life before Christ and I'm, I'm just feeling a bit uncomfortable. I don't want to try and find my way back on my own. Is it okay if, if we all... And we've seen enough. I said, yeah, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll just leave. We'll go and have some dinner and it's fine. Now, I've never forgotten that because, see, two very different scenarios... Um, I, I chose as a teenager that I wouldn't drink alcohol. It's, it's no big deal. I have a little sip of champagne maybe at a, at a wedding. But uh, for the most part, I don't drink alcohol. So the sight of everybody drinking in Caesar's Palace was not a problem for me. Uh, and this is going to sound uh, very uh, wussy, but I have in all my trips to Las Vegas and the various clubs here where we have dinner and so on, lunch, I've never put a coin in the slot of a poker machine. That doesn't make me a hero. It just says that, like, it just has... It holds no interest for me. I wouldn't even know how to do it. Uh, so I wasn't affected by that either. And I've never been tempted to run away with a showgirl. <laughs> well, well, two out of three is not bad, is it, eh? Uh, joking, only joking. Uh, hey, Bebby's here this morning, only joking. Uh, but you see, for that guy, 
These were the things that reminded him of a past life. And uh, I've never forgotten that. It was very, very powerful. You see how vulnerability can be heightened under certain circumstances. And only we know those circumstances. You know the circumstances in your life that heighten your vulnerability. I know the circumstances in my life. We've got to be very honest before God in dealing with that situation. It depends on what our points of weakness are. And again, we're not just looking at those predictable areas of temptation to do with morality and addiction. For instance, I would say to someone who struggles with laziness, don't work from home. Or at least, you know, have strong lines of accountability if you struggle with laziness. If you, if you are someone who struggles with pessimism, then don't hang around with people who are constantly negative. Like, because that's going to just pull you down. Choose the people with whom you associate carefully. To Tiger Woods, I'd say don't talk to waitresses, you know, uh, because like that's clearly a point of vulnerability for him, you know, or was. And there are many more similar examples, and you've got to weigh that up. It's no good getting into the bar if you've got a problem with drinks, saying I'm going to be really strong. The, the, the idea is don't go into the bar. Like just don't, just don't go in. And finally, and it's linked to that point, here's the good news of what we've, uh, what we've been saying there's always a way of escape. That's a Bible promise. Verse 13, have a look at it. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here it is, verse 13. Every test, every temptation that you've experienced is the kind that normally comes to people, but God keeps his promise and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so will provide you with a way out. Now, friends, that's a Bible promise. When uh, Hansi Kronje, you know, the uh, South African cricket captain, when he was caught taking bribes, uh, I don't know if you recall his press conference, where in the midst of tears he made this statement. He said, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, uh, I've got some news for Hansi. The devil didn't make him do anything. Certainly he provided the temptation, the devil provided the temptation, which in and of itself is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. It's only when we yield to temptation, that's when there's the sin. So it wasn't the devil, it was Cronier's unwillingness to take the road of escape. And it's the same for you and I. It's our unwillingness to take the road of escape that is inevitably provided. And friends, this is why consistent Christianity, our willingness to let God make us new from within, this is why this area is so crucial. This is not about being good and trying to do good and oh, I failed again. This is about the transformational process of, of conversion. God working from the inside to make us new creatures, change our, our desires and our thoughts and, our, and to change our preferences in life. And that's why this is just so crucial we be honest with God in our points of vulnerability. And so to close, I'm able to reveal the greatest news of all when it comes to our struggle with temptation. And this, I've saved the best, the very best till last. This is the greatest news of all. And it's two passages from Hebrews. Look at the first one. Here it is, Hebrews 2, 18. Because Jesus suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, if that's not inspiring enough, If that's not encouraging enough, look at the second reference from 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Hey friends, who do you want walking with you in a crisis? 
Who do you want walking with you in a, a real problem time of your life? You want somebody who's been there before, don't you? And who do you want walking with you, living within you, going ahead of you during a time of spiritual battle with temptation? You want somebody who's been there and done that. Talk to Jesus about your points of vulnerability this week. Live victoriously for him. Draw on his strength. You can conquer. I can conquer. It's not easy. And we will fail. But we have one who understands, who's been there and done that. Let's bow in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was tempted in all points like us, but without sin. We thank you for the fact that you provide a way of escape when we are tempted. Forgive us, Lord, for the times, the many times when we fail to take that escape route. But help us as part of our consistent Christianity to increasingly identify and then summon the strength and the courage to take that pathway, knowing that that's the way that leads to life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.